And we're back with your pop culture pundit, Tina Griffin, for the final segment of the Counterculture Mom Show. Okongo Sampson understands abuse. He has experienced it firsthand. Few people have felt a power drill bore holes into their legs, but Okongo has. All because he dared to talk about Jesus Christ. He tells his powerful story in the new book, Abducted But Not Forsaken, how one man's escape from a notorious terrorist brought hope to Africa. This is the Counterculture Mom Show. I'm your host, Tina Griffin. And the main theme of the week is sharing the good news of salvation and forgiving our abusers. And this mighty man of God found hope in the midst of torture. I'm with Okongo Sampson. Okongo, thank you so much for joining us on the Counterculture Mom Show today. Thank you so much for having me in the counterculture. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited you're here with us today. Now, you are the founder and president of Unite for Africa. You're the author of the new book, Abducted But Not Forsaken. You went to medical college in Nairobi, studied medical research and oncology at Queen's University in Northern Ireland, earned a degree in human resource management, later studied theology at Union Theological College, which led you to join World Medical Mission. Okongo, what have you not done, young man? What have you not done? Well, um, glory be to God. You know, I, I don't think I've done much except, you know, I've been in this journey with the Lord and I keep having experience, uh, maybe different from others, but uh, I'm here. I've not experienced death. Yeah, praise the Lord. God's got a big mission on your life, young man. You've traveled to over 50 countries, training ministries and helping develop church leadership. With your experience working in war-torn places, the United Nations, Africa Union, and leaders from different countries have invited you to participate in peace, reconciliation, and negotiations in the Middle East and Africa. Um, you are the prime example of how Christians should be used by God to represent the love of Christ. I am blown away by what you have lived through. Okongo, can you tell everybody tuning in right now how you felt the call of God on your heart when you were just a kid? And at 16 years old, you were excited to learn about a missionary trip taking place near your home in Kenya. You signed up, boarded the bus, and then went to a place that was hell on earth. Tell us about your bus trip and how it was cut short as a radical group of terrorists kidnapped everyone on board. That is insane. Well, you know, I didn't grow up really as a Christian, but when I had an encounter with the Lord at age 15, shortly after that is when I had God's voice, O Congo, I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to bring transformation, take the gospel, the good news to many people. Now, I had never traveled anywhere, so those were new things to me. But uh, being a new believer, uh, I knew that uh, from the camp where I had accepted Christ, where they were talking about launching people, the Great Commission go. So the vision God gave me resonate with the, uh, the Great Commission Christ gave us. Well, when I turned 16, I heard um, a news that uh, there was a need in northern Uganda and mm. Sudan, mm. and no one wanted to go. Number one, because of the insecurity. We had the uh, Lord Resistance Army, the rebel fighting over there, then the abduction of the, the young children, people, parents, and the killing and the murder. Oh, then when, oh. I, when I had the gospel, I said, wow, if I can go there and give them the good news and their heart change, this will stop. That is what motivated me to go to northern Uganda. Now, I was not able to go with the team they told me to pick a bus and go there. The bus took about three, four days. 
according to how I expounded in the book. But I did not make it to northern Uganda because our bus was abducted by the Lord. The then became Lord Resistant Army. And then we were all captured, um, put in prison. Uh, then I became part of the many abducted people. Majority of them were kids. And in the camp there, it was just this thick forest. And uh, the army, the rebel army don't have like a structure like any other government. So there we were, young girls and boys. And so when I arrived there, they were trained to go into the front line to fight. Oh. And then they were also serving these many hundred and hundred of soldiers who were coming in. So I was confused. Um, so, um, but when I was going, I did not know the magnitude of the effect, the bad effect of this team. So I became one of the victims uh, of the torture of these uh, bad, rebellious ro- uh, soldiers of the Lord Resistant Army. So you jumped on a bus at the age of 16 on fire to share Jesus with the lost. And on the way up to your three or four day journey, these terrorists kidnapped everybody on board. They were primarily children, yourself, only 16. Can you give us a glimpse of the hell you went through in the middle of the woods with these with this terrorist group? What did they do, if you don't mind giving some details so we can kind of feel like we were there in, in your journey? Yeah, when we were in the bus, there were so many people. There were some adults in the camp who were abducted as well, but majority of them were, were young people, most teenagers. So in the camp, uh, the, the young people and everyone were trained on how to go fight in the, uh, in the front line, so young soldiers. So I became recruited automatically. It's a forced one. And then at the same time, we were cooking for them, and I did not even know how to cook their food. Uh, language was a challenge for because this kid came from different tribes and so then that was one one of the things we were doing serving them being trained and ready to go to the uh, to the front line and then day and night we were also meeting their uh, physical needs so sexually we were all abused young girls and it was just one painful experience day and night while we were there and so that that was those were the three main obligations we were doing there did you find that there were kids that tried to escape from this place? And if so, what would happen as a result? Well, there were, th- there were a few things. You know, most of the kids I was told when they went to, the f- to fight in the front line, they did not come back. I thought mm. they escaped when they took off. But I was also informed they died because they, could, they were shot and they were killed. And then a few of them said when they tried to escape, they were caught and arrested and brought back. And, and again, you know, uh, that was another painful experience. I thought to myself, oh, I can, I can outrun them. I tried to run and I was caught and brought back and they twisted my, my ankle so I couldn't run. But no, and I was beaten properly. So uh, trying to escape was not an option because there were only two entrance and two exit. And those two entrance and exit were guarded by this uh, notorious army. And so, uh, so, and then the rest were just fenced with the wall, you know, a, a thorn wall, because they're just rebellious people in the forest. So trying to escape was not an option. But again, I also heard that them who tried to run very fast, they were, they were shot and they died. So that was the story I had uh, until I decided oh, I, I can escape myself. Did you end up escaping? Now, after being there for three weeks, I thought to myself, why am I here? Because being there in the camp was like dying slowly. 
I knew it was a matter of time I'll die in the hands of the rapist and the torture and the beating. And, and then I knew also going to the front line, I'll die like most of the people who've gone to the front line never came back. Because what we knew is when you go to the front line, you get a bullet. They don't have the hospital or a place to put the casualty. So what they do is they, they, they just kill them so they don't have to reveal the, the secrets. So I knew going to the front line, I'll die. If I try to escape, I'll die. Then being there mounted and being persecuted, beaten, uh, I knew it was a matter of time before I died because I know some, some young people who died while I was there. So I thought, oh, I would rather die doing something. After all, I'm going to die anyway. So one night I walked to the gate around 9, 9 before it turned 10 and clock bearing was not even there. I just thought it was at night and I walked and the soldiers slept. This is where, you know, God can put people to sleep. And, and then I walked and, and I'd, I wanted to die. But that was the best option of dying for me at that time. Apparently, God protected me. I walked all the way until I was Gulu uh, town the next morning. That is unbelievable. I cannot even fathom what you've experienced and lived through at the age of 16, no matter what age. When you were held as a prisoner, basically, you had this notion when you were a young kid that God had great plans for your life. So did you the whole time think, yes, I might die, but at the same time think, hang on a second, God told me I would be used to the ends of the earth to let people know about Jesus. So was there something deep inside you that kind of told you, I am going to survive this and God is going to see me through? Not necessarily, but necessarily. I was confused while I was there. I was doubting whether really God called me because Ooh. I had never experienced something like that before, but I had heard of it, you know, and, and, and I knew it was happening. So while I was there, I became so angry and bitter. And why would God allow that to begin with? And so I questioned whether he really called me. And then why, if he is there, God in control, why does he allow the people to do this wicked thing? So while there, I doubted that vision and call. But at the same time, the need was in front of me. I was one of them. I, I, definitely these people need to be rescued, uh, need to be uh, I mean, they were abducted like I was. My emotions were all over the place. I had anger towards men, and, and why would they do this? And I had, I had anger towards God. Why would he allow that? You know, I didn't trust man when I came out. And so, so it was yes or no uh, until when I, I escaped. And when I escaped, I knew God really released me. But when I escaped, the voices of my fellow young people who are crying bitter when they were beaten and when they were being molested did not escape with me. You know, they escaped and came with me. So I, I had to continue thinking, God, you want to use me to go and also liberate other people, to go and free them, to go and, 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 and to take the gospel that would transform the people who are even would be rebellious in the future so that they wouldn't do that. So I was conflicted one way or another. Man, um, man, oh man, my, I have two main questions now. You got my mind rolling. Number one, how did you overcome your anger with God? 
Now that is a long story and my book expounded that greatly. Um, that came over time because, you know, um, especially when I started to embrace God is in control. If he is in control, I was questioning him. He could have stopped those people from functioning in a normal way to hurt me the way they were hurting me or hurt others. So, but I had to uh, learn that God allows some things uh, to happen to us so that he can be glorified, so that we can come up with a story that become his. My story is actually God's story. The story of how we can be abducted, but he has not forsaken us. So that is him. All of us fall in the same category like I am, where we are abducted, not necessarily by Lord Resistant Army. Some people are abducted by anger, uh, unforgiveness, mm. uh, challenges in their marriage, uh, but but God has not forsaken us. So my story became God's story that he does not forsake us when he has a gender for himself, for his vision with us. I have to ask, I, I completely agree with what you just said. Easier said than done, isn't it? But I completely agree with what you said. When you escaped and that guy happened to be sleeping when you walked right through the gate, were you able to ever go back and help rescue the other kids that were stuck there? Well, uh, you know, my book will talk about how I returned back and, and brought back to Kenya. Uh, but really, I, um, I had never gone back to uh, face the Lord Resistant Army, and that's God's direction. But I've gone to northern Uganda uh, multiple times to equip other people and, and be a part of even the UN helping uh, people who are being uh, uh, genocide you know, and, and, and suffering in the hands of the rebellious. But really the Lord Resistant Army, right now even the UN cannot even find them and contain them, many governments. So who am I <laughs> to, uh, to go there? So, uh, and they are just in the forest, loose people. Uh, in, in, in rural places, and in Congo right now, in Sudan, other places. So, uh, but the effort that God has really enabled me to do is to continue to go and, um, and be a source of healing. Now, when I left that first encounter, I left wounded. I was hurt emotionally, uh, physically, mentally, relationally, and spiritually. I was questioning anything God would say to me. You know, is this really you? Because, you know, this, this is not you. And then I, I, I could not relate to people. Well, when you have been abused by men, you don't trust any man, including your brother. Mm. You think like, when I came back to Kenya, when I saw men, I thought they are going to just put me down and abuse me. Yet that was not the case. So I was struggling and my emotions were all over. My spiritual were all over. Uh, so I was unhealthy in all aspects. So what I came to realize, that experience became part of what God used to equip me to be sensitive and go to the uttermost part of the world and see people heal emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically. And that's what led me to go do medical, go do psychology and counseling, go do theology, because I wanted to get all I can get so I can become useful too and effectively help other people. Because when I came from some of my abduction, I ended up being in prison in 14 other countries, different torture, different kind of places. And, and I was hurt multiple times. Now, I realized that even people may not go to prison, but they are wounded and they are hurting and they need God to really know, God, to, God by their side, that God has not forsaken them 
through what they are going through. You are the epitome of an example that people need to realize if we've gone through hell and back again. And let me tell you, you have one of the wildest stories I've ever heard in my life of someone really going through a lot of torture. Very horrendous situation. And yet, instead of letting it take you out where you commit suicide or you get super depressed, not where you weren't depressed, but you handled it in a positive way where you went to go get counseling and you became a, a, a master's degree in like five different areas to help other people be freed from similar torturous situations. So this is what we need to grab from what you're saying right now. This is the golden nugget. It's yes, horrific things could happen to us, but how do we respond and what do we do with it means all the difference. And God can use that horrific situation for his glory. I'm going to have... I tried. I, I tried many times to kill myself. Oh. When, when I came back to Kenya, it wasn't easy because uh, in my effort of trying to get help, I shared uh, my story with some pastors who were doing outreach and it was not handled well. And that became an again, another embedded heart and wound that I didn't have at that time with the church because it became a gossip. And then all of a sudden he was not called. He was not anointed. Why was he doing that? Then it became a bully. And then I was told, when will you become pregnant? So I was, I was not in a good place. So I was isolated until one lady, the way I describe in my book, came and said, God would use you to bring hope to so many people. Now I was isolated. I just didn't I didn't value my life anymore. Now, when I started sharing that at least I escaped and God gave me another life, that's when I started seeing some people having hope that at least God is there even in the bad moment. And when I saw people starting having hope, I continued to share my story and my story became hope for so many people. That motivated me to continue going to so many countries. Like you said, 50 countries, according to when I was writing the book, but actually I've taken this message to 92 countries around the world. 92 countries, people, and you might have a problem right now crossing a state border in America. Let's get out there to the masses together. We can do this. If you can do 92 countries, we can do one country well right here or beyond our one country if God wants us to go beyond our borders. You are one major prime example of what we should be doing as Christians. For those of you that are new to Okongo's ministry, I want you to just check out a little glimpse of his life. Check this out. There is power in sharing the story. Everyone has a story. Some people have told story. Some people have untold story in their life. Uh, I was reading uh, the book of Psalms chapter 66 verses 16 where um, David was talking about um, telling the story come who, who the people who fear the Lord and uh, hear what he has done for me it came a place where through the journey of the life I had gone through in my life and some of them were extremely difficult but I reached the other side where I looked back and it was evident that I made it the other side of the better side with my story, with the help of God. I decided to tell people the incredible 
things and story of what God did for me by rescuing me, delivering me, healing me from everything I had gone through uh, in my life. Keep at it. That's all I got to say is keep at it. You are one phenomenal human being. I have a question with people tuning in right now that are going through possibly a traumatic event right now. There's a lot that happened because of COVID. A lot of people are dying, um, getting sick, depressed, and suicidal because they lost their job, at least here in America, which you're probably familiar with what's happening here in our country. What would you say to the people going through those traumatic events right now who just want to give up on God? And and the other side of that is how can people forgive those who abuse them? I'll share the story. When you're giving me an introduction, you talk about my legs were drilled in Saudi Arabia and was hung upside down. And so, and, and many, the full story is in my book, Abducted But Not Forsaken. Now, that was a painful experience to have your bone drilled and, and all all that, you know, and not only was it physical, there was emotional, there was spiritual. That's when I denied Christ when I was drilled and hung, hung upside down. Oh. And I said, I didn't believe in that. So, and God rescued me. Right now I can walk. So, traveling to 92 countries and listening over and over, my wife Shaila and I just returned from the Middle East and, and Northern Africa and parts of Africa where we travel significantly and including our own country, the United States, we've realized that not only do people were drilled in their leg, one way or another, in their marriage, in their conflict, in their family, place of work, whatever the government, we've been drilled one way or another. Maybe our hearts have been drilled by a hurtful situation that has found so many people in a wounded situation emotionally, mentally, some of them physically abused in our country here, uh, and spiritually, there's total confusion. My message is, God does not forsake us. Even though sometimes we may feel abandoned by our family, by God, by, by the situation we are going through, He has not forsaken us. So, and, and then along the line, uh, the pain of unforgiveness may come. I, I expounded how I ended up forgiving them, which became a tool, a medicine for me, where I had to meet even people who raped me and sit across the table and forgive them. And I had to go to 14 places, 14 countries where I was abducted and put in prison for the sake of the gospel or whatever got me into prison, except the rebel that I just lose. I can't find them and I'm not necessarily ready to go there. But the power of going to meet with them and forgive them, it wasn't easy. So many people listening right now might have been also struggling because their hearts, their emotions, their relationships have been drilled. Not with a drill like with my leg, but with a hurtful situation. But I'm here to give you a message. God does not forsake us when we run and turn to him. And it might be painful. We might be wondering where he is. You might be questioning him like I did. If he is in control and we are his children, why does he allow bad things to happen to us? But he allow bad things to happen to us so he can glorify himself to, to, to prove to us that he's still a healer. He can restore us. He can, he can get us back to a healthy situation like I am. Most of the time I wanted to take my life, but he pardoned me. And, and I had to forgive him for even devaluing my, my life after I felt like I was devalued. And so right now, 
I have confidence that whatever you are going through, God knows what you are going through. He knows your story and your story can become a powerful tool and mean so much to him and he can use it to also become a source of hope for so many people in our country and all over the world. I, I am so excited. I, I checked out your website here. For people tuning in, you want to go to Unite, U-N-I-T-E, the number four, Africa.org. Once again, Unite, for Africa.org. I know he's going to take you a lot, a lot of places. And I'm hoping and praying that people tuning in right now have been encouraged to jump on board and do the same and ask God, how can you be used mightily by him right now with the time that we've got left? Your book, buddy, has to be in everyone's home. Congo Samson, everyone, abducted but not forsaken. Grab his book. Go to Unite, the number four, Africa.org. Congo, thank you so much for joining us today on the Counterculture Mom Show. You are one fantastic, phenomenal human being. Thanks for listening to the Counterculture Mom Show with Tina Griffin on the Salem Radio Network. Check out all of our helpful resources at counterculturemom.com. You can also get our free parent media guide loaded with positive entertainment options by texting the word GUIDE to the number 55444. And don't forget to download the new Counterculture Mom app to get critical pop culture alerts straight to your phone. We are in a cancel culture. Is your money safe? Are you holding it in a place that shares your conservative Christian values? If your funds are not with a financial institution that shares your values, they may be in jeopardy if you are not in agreement with their secular values. American Christians could lose billions of charitable donations without even knowing it. Capstone Legacy Foundation's charter ensures that we follow donor intent. Please go to capstonelegacy.org to help us see if you need to change where you are holding your assets for planned giving. That's capstonelegacy.org.